0: Amen? Well, you guys, uh, I think you, I hope you know this, but we've been on a journey of worship and talking about the different ways and lifestyle of worship that we've been called to. And so it's been a phenomenal time. I've been enjoying it. I hope you guys have been enjoying it. Have you? Yes, three of you. That's enough for me. I'm good, you know. If any two or three agree, there he is in the midst, so we're getting it done. Hallelujah. Well, I, I've been enjoying it, and I've been loving to hear the different aspects of what it is to live a life of worship, to, to hear about the origin of worship from that original word where we first see it in the, in the Old Testament, which means to bow, and that the, that the basis of worship is that we're bowing before this God who is worthy, and we're saying, you are God and we are not. That's the beginning of worship, is to say, you are worthy, and I, I give you the honor that you're due. It's amazing. And then we looked at several other words in Psalms about worship that, that some some of those words where we see praise is to shout, is to sing, is to dance, is to boast. I love that one, that we boast about the goodness of God. And we are called to live a life of worship because our life, everything that we do, is not neutral. It is not neutral because we are a kingdom of saints, and I'm going to unpack that for you, but our worship actually preaches the gospel of the kingdom, and not only preaches the gospel of the kingdom, but our worship is to extend the gospel of the kingdom, and that's why this is so important, because it's not just a passive thing that we do. It's not just, oh yeah, we come together and we sing. No, no, no. When we sing, we sing in worship of God. That's the singing part of worship, but it's not all of worship when we get together and some of us dance or attempt to, and we dance our worship unto God. That's the dancing part of worship. And then we shout. That's the shouting part of worship, okay? But everything that we're called to do is called to release heaven, the kingdom of heaven on earth. Our worship results in blessing, isn't that amazing? When we worship God the way that God has called us to worship him, it creates an environment of the kingdom of heaven. And how many of you guys know that wherever the kingdom goes, things get awesome? That's true, right? That is just the truth. So let me, uh, let me continue now. We're going to talk about first fruits, and I'm going to talk to you about another part of worship, an important part of worship. And uh, so here we go. In the scriptures in Revelation 5, John is having the vision and he's seeing... In heaven, what's going on? And there's a certain type in, uh, time in heaven where it says, and there was a scroll that was presented, but no one was worthy to open the scroll. And he says, and there was weeping in heaven for a half an hour because no one was worthy to open the scroll. And he says, but then I saw a lamb that had been slain. And it, and it says this, And they said to the lamb, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. Did you catch that? First of all, Christ Jesus came not just to rescue uh, Anglos in America, not just to rescue our beautiful brothers in Mexico, just those, that's enough, nobody else. No, no, no. Those guys for sure, those Anglos and those Mexicans, praise be to God, but he didn't stop there, did he? No, every tongue, every tribe, every nation, Jesus Christ came that all men would be saved. And by men, I mean mankind. Sorry, ladies. That's implied. In the church, we have to talk about these things, don't we? All right, so he's purchased them, but not only that then, he has made us to be a kingdom and priests. We are a kingdom of priests. Say that, I'm a priest. priest. That's right, you are a priest. And what's amazing about you priests (coughs) is that you are filled with the kingdom of heaven. Remember Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is within you? So everywhere we go, by virtue of how we worship the king, is how we extend the kingdom. You guys with me so far? So this kingdom of priests, now because you're a kingdom of priests, it means how we live our lives is very, very important because we need to be releasing what Jesus wants to release in the earth. And as we've been seeing over the last several weeks, it's not just open to whatever we feel like doing, but he's actually prescribed that there's a time and a way to do these things. And that when we do things God's way, how many of you guys know when we do God's stuff God's way, God blesses it. Isn't that good? I mean, that's a good thing. So this is a kingdom that looks like dad's kingdom and we're extending it as priests. So that means what we do, number one, matters. I want you to say, I matter. I I am significant. significant. You are significant. The the kingdom of God is relying in part on you because Christ is in you and he he wants to be released so that another person can come into the kingdom, and another person, and another person, why? Because God desires that none should perish. How many does he want to perish? None. None. But that all should have eternal life. And you are a priest of that kingdom. So you're extending that kingdom. So I just, I need you to catch this. Our lives are of utmost importance, both to God, but also to the nations. Because when we extend his kingdom, the nations are blessed. Do you guys know that God loves the nations? Jesus said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and therefore go and make disciples, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. So it's pretty vital that the priests of the kingdom are extending the kingdom. So what we're doing truly matters. And Jesus said this before I move on. He said, my father desires worshipers that will worship him in spirit and truth. In other words, my father desires worshipers that will worship him in the way he desires to be worshipped. Not just how they decide, but how he prescribes. Why? Because I'm extending my kingdom, and my kingdom looks a certain way. It does certain things. It looks like my dad, and it blesses everyone that it comes to. And we're a part of that, priests. You are significant. Say, I am significant. My worship releases the kingdom. I want you to hear yourself say that again. My worship worship. releases releases the kingdom. It does. So you are carrying around the kingdom and God has called for you to extend it. So that does mean that everything that we do is to be worship. Everything that we do is to be worshiped because we're carrying the kingdom. Now that's not to say that, actually I can't even go down that road, I don't have time for it, but the point is you matter and your life is significant and everything that you do is to be worshiped because you're to extend the kingdom everywhere you go. Isn't that good? Thank you. I appreciate that. More of that, please. So let's continue. Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Amen? Amen. Worthy is the lamb to receive power. Everybody good with that? Hallelujah. And wisdom. Everybody good with that? And strength. Everybody good with that? And honor. Everybody good with that? And glory. You good with it? And praise. And wealth. I got three of you. (laughs) This is kind of a sticking point for us in our worship sometimes. This gets a little sticky for us sometimes. Because here's the thing. Uh, In heaven, what are the streets paved with? Gold. (laughs) It's totally true. They're paved with gold. Why is that that it's paved with gold in heaven? I love that question. That's a fantastic answer. Come on. You know what? That's sometimes the wisest thing that we can say. We have done more damage not being willing to say that when we need to than probably anything else. I do not know, but I'm going to (laughs) look. Come on. That's a say law. It's paved with gold in heaven because God has everything to the point that gold isn't even really considered that valuable in light of the riches and abundance that are in heaven. If we had as much gold in heaven here on earth, then we would also pave the streets with gold because it's phenomenal material. It doesn't tarnish. holds up really well. It's nice and bright and beautiful. And we would just pave the streets with gold. It'd be easier to see, actually. It'd be nice, wouldn't it? But since we don't have as much here, we don't pave the streets with it, we use it as currency for the most part, or at least as one of the valuable things. Now we just, let's not go down that road. I'm doing good, that's two bunny trails, baby. I can get a hand. Some encouragement. All right, so, thank you. You guys are awesome. I'm having fun. All right, so the point is, though, that there's there's this part of worshiping God, he's worthy to receive wealth. So when would he receive wealth from these priests? The answer is here, now, on earth. Because it's not like we're going to carry wealth up to heaven when we get our new bodies. In fact, it says you won't bring anything from here when we go and we're transformed, okay? So the point is, the time when we honor God with our wealth is here. Does that make sense? Does that stand to reason? All right, you're like, wait, where are we going? Well, I'll tell you. Let's talk about for a moment how we can honor God. Now, we honor God with everything that we have. How many of you know that everything you have was given to you? Yeah, you didn't create yourself. You can't make your heart beat. You can't make your lungs expand. You can't make yourself be self-aware. He actually gave that to you. And the gift set that you have, the disposition that you have, the place that you were born, the time that you're born in, every single thing that we have, we have received from God. And as priests of the kingdom, he's given us real authority to bless or to curse, to choose to do what we're going to do or to choose to do what what he wants to do. So it's real authority to release a real kingdom when we make real decisions with real stuff. Is that real clear? Alright, so when we have things that are given to us, God is saying, what's been given to you, I want you to do with that what I have prescribed as worship while you're on this earth. And so we give him all the glory, all the honor, all the wealth, all the, <coughs> all the praise, all the everything that he's due. Does that make sense? And as we do that, now here's the amazing thing about the kingdom of heaven, is that God came not just for one nation, but for all nations. Christ came because he desires that none should perish, but that all should inherit eternal life. Now, he demonstrates this through us. We're actually extending that kingdom. So everything that we do, every bit of our worship is to preach the gospel of the kingdom, the gospel of Christ Jesus. And what is it that Jesus did? Well, I'm getting ahead of myself. So let's start with this. So one of those things that we do is we give offerings. And I want to unpack this. So here we go. Here's the first place where we see offerings in action, and it's right after Adam and Eve have gotten kicked out of the garden, and they have a son, and his name is Cain, and they have another son, and his name is Abel. Now, Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord, and Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. Now the first thing I want to point out here is that we see that the difference between Abel's offering and Cain's offering is that Cain brought some of his fruits, but Abel brought portions from the firstborn. He brought the firstborn. Guys, who's the firstborn? Jesus Christ, he is the firstborn. In fact, it says that he is the firstborn, the lamb that was slain from the foundations of the earth. See, in everything that God's laying out, he's saying, I want your life to preach the gospel of the kingdom. And the gospel of the kingdom is accessed because of the blood of Jesus, which was shed for us. The lamb which was slain, my firstborn, that I gave for you. So a God who gave everything expects as worship from his priests of his kingdom to match the same style and character of who he is. And he gave everything, withholding not only his firstborn, but giving his own firstborn that we could be saved. So our worship mirrors and responds to that very thing. So we give him not what's left over, not something that we decide, but actually our first fruits because he gave his First fruits. Our lives, our worship, our disciplines, our lifestyle preaches the gospel. So when somebody says, what is up with you that you give away your first fruits? And we say, oh, well the reason why I do that is because God himself gave his firstborn that we could be reconciled holding nothing back. And I am born again into a kingdom. And that kingdom is marked by generosity And because God is generous and did not even withhold his first fruits, we as believers always give our first fruits as worship unto him. That'll preach right there, won't it? That's like, what? That is compelling. Now you notice that I didn't say, now I give my first fruits because if I give a dollar, the Lord owes me $100 because he wants me to be rich. I didn't say that, did I? No, we are responding with what we have in worship unto the one who gave it to us, and in worship in the way that he prescribes that he gave his first fruits, and he asks and requires that our worship is that we do the same. Now, there's a couple questions I want to answer as to why he does that, and I'm just preaching the gospel of the kingdom to you here, okay? I'm not even promising you any good things right now. Now, I'm gonna deal with the problem of good things in just a minute, because unfortunately, when you do this, it goes really well for you, and it can be a serious stumbling block in your life, and I'm worried for us, and I'm not being flippant. I'm saying this is a massive problem, and the Bible has something to say about it. Have I got your attention? All right, so here we go. We got Cain, who gives some things. Cain gives what he decides he wants to give. And God says to him, why are you downcast? In the next verse here. (laughs) Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Now, here's an interesting thing about Cain. First of all, his name actually means possession. Did you guys know that? The, the name Cain means possession. So Cain, possession, when given the opportunity to bring an offering to the Lord of his possession, decides, I'm going to go ahead and hold on to what I want, and I'll just give you what I want to give you. So I'm going I'm I'm to control my possessions here. And in that, the Lord says, Cain, why don't you do what's right Now, he still loves him. He's saying, I want to correct this for you, Cain. You can't do this. You've got to give your first fruits. You can't just do what's in your heart to do. You can't just decide what is right and what is wrong. I'm telling you, this isn't acceptable. Do the acceptable thing. And he says, Cain, if you do not do what is right, then sin is crouching at your door. Cain, there's something that wants to possess you. Sin. You're you're trying to possess this but I'm telling you that if you don't worship me in the way that I've called for you to worship me, this is gonna possess you instead. Isn't that interesting? You see, when we try to possess our possessions, our possessions possess us. Isn't that wild? The very thing that we're trying to say, oh, no, 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 I'm gonna possess this, actually ends up possessing us. We become someone else's. And Jesus said that. He said, you can't serve God and the spirit of money, mammon. It's the spirit of money. It's the idea of the power and independence and prestige that comes with money, sweet money. And it's not, now money is not wrong. It says the love of money is wrong. But Jesus said this, because you'll either love one and hate the other, or you'll hate one and love the other. You can't serve God and mammon. And this is where it started. It started. He's bringing his possessions and he's saying, I'm gonna do this my way. And God says, sin is crouching at your door. Do what is right or else this is gonna possess you. But Cain doesn't do what is right. We know what happens. Unfortunately, he goes and he kills Abel. And it's interesting because Cain is jealous of the favor that's on Abel's life. And he's provoked to jealousy by the outcome of Abel's life, but rather than repent and change his own worship, to match what, Kate, what, what Abel's is, he kills Abel. Murder is in his heart. Now this is a strong message for us, that how we manage our possessions actually is on the road to murder. Now that sounds sensational, except for I'm not even being sensational. It's right here. And in another place, when Jesus is preaching, he says to them, he says, some of you say if you call your brother Raka, then you're in danger of hellfire, right? But I say if you think he's a fool, and he says this, or no, if you, if you call him a fool, you shouldn't, but if you call him Raka, you're in danger of hellfire. He says, but I say this, if you're angry with your brother without cause, murder is in your heart, murder, because you're mad at your brother without cause. But what is he talking about? He's like, guys, you're, not, you're no different than Cain and Abel. The way you live your life is of vital importance because you're a priest and I want you to release the kingdom of heaven, not something else. Now, I'm using strong language because this is one of those areas where I think many of us tend to be a little more like Cain, like I'll just do what I do the way I want to do it. I don't need you up there, preacher man, telling me about what to do with my money. And I'm not telling you what to do with your money. Because you don't have any money. I am telling you that God has some very important requirements for what you do with his money. So here Cain is possessed by sin because he wanted to decide how he would worship God with his possessions. Are you guys with me? All right, so here we are. So I want to share this with you. This is John Wesley in 1786. The Great Awakening has been going on. Revival is busting out in the land. The Methodist Church is exploding. And the Methodist Church is based on a very amazing... Uh, premise, actually, was that they had a method that 12 people would meet each week in the churches. They'd meet in groups of 12. They would, conf- they would confess their sins one to another, and they would encourage one another to continue to live by the scriptures. That was it. That's what met- that was their method, and that's where they got the name Methodists. So incredible, extraordinary work of God. And so here in the middle of this, John Wesley is lamenting what's going on, um, And he says, and I'm going to read this to you, and I've left you a little bit of that quote here. He says, I fear that wherever riches have increased, the essence of religion has decreased in the same proportion. And he means religion in the best of ways here, guys. Therefore, I do not see how it's possible in the nature of things for any revival of true religion to continue long. For religion must necessarily produce both industry and frugality. So doing a good job working and not spending every cent that you have. All right? A fool spends all that he has. It's in the Bible. But a rich man, there's always oil and wine in his home. And that's a Selah right there. All right? So he says this, "...for religion must necessarily produce both industry and frugality. And these cannot but produce riches. But as riches increase, so will pride and anger and the love of the world and all its branches." How then is it possible that Methodism, that is, a religion of the heart, though it flourishes now as a green bay tree, should continue in this state? For the Methodists in every place grow diligent and frugal, and consequently, they increase in goods. Hence, they proportionately increase in pride and anger and in the desire of the flesh, the desire of the eyes and the pride of life. And so although the form of religion remains, the spirit is swiftly vanishing away. Is there no way to prevent this continual decay of pure religion? We ought not to prevent people from being diligent and frugal. We must exhort Christians to gain all they can and to save all they can. And that is, in effect, to grow rich. That's the problem with the gospel of the kingdom is if people actually do it, they get rich. And it's a problem. It really is. It's actually a problem because many of us, when we get rich, we forget the God that gave us all the stuff and we forget the God of wisdom, didn't it say, to you all wisdom? And when we become wise, and we don't spend every penny that we have, and we become generous, and we begin to save and to work hard, ah, shoot, the outcome is we end up getting rich. But when we get rich, we oftentimes become tempted by riches because what did Jesus say? It's impossible. No, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. And they're going, who can be saved then? They had the same problem then. But wait, the righteous people are all rich. The ones that actually do the stuff, they all got rich. And he goes, I know. With man, it's impossible. With God, all things are possible. And here we are in 1786, same problem again. And he says this, so how can we avoid letting our money send us to hell? There is one way and only one under heaven. If those who gain all they can and save all they can will likewise give all they can. And then the more they gain, the more they will grow in grace. See, it's all his stuff. When Jesus comes, you know, the, 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 the story of the stewards was this. Everyone was given talents according to their ability. And then he goes and he says, invest your talents. And then he comes back and says, What did you profit with the things that I gave you? And the one who didn't profit, what he has was taken from him. So profiting is a part of being in the kingdom. You're required to do what God wants you to do with his stuff. And when you do with his stuff what he wants you to do, it will increase. Because the kingdom of heaven always increases. But his desire is that when you increase in wealth, it means his kingdom increases in influence. Because everything that he has entrusted to us is to be used in worship and in purpose in the way that he's prescribed it, that blessing would be released in the earth. Not just for you. You're involved in it. You're part of it. But for his kingdom purposes, that we would care for the widow and the orphan and the, and the foreigner, as the Bible says, or the disenfranchised, those in prison, the, and, the, uh, and the poor. And I'm missing one, but I'm preaching, so I'm going to just keep going. Are you guys with me? So our worship releases the kingdom. The problem is, when we worship God in finances, we do end up increasing in wealth pretty much 100% of the time. In fact, in another place, John Wesley says this. He says, I have noticed through the course of my ministry that those that begin to follow the teachings of Christ and to apply it, that over the next 10 and 20 and 30 and 40 years, they increase in wealth 10 and 20 and 30 and 40 times and 100 times. And then being rich, their love begins to wax cold. What shall we do? We must do all we can, save all we can, increase all we can, and give all we can. It's the only way to protect our hearts. Just like what we saw all the way back east of Eden with Cain and Abel. And it's no different for us today, saints. Our worship is so vital, and, and here's what I want you to catch. Now, I'm saying that there's a collateral blessing financially for you and the world when you're faithful in worshiping God with your finances. But I'm saying, as for us, we worship God with our finances because he's worthy. End of discussion. What he wants to do with the collateral blessing of his wealth when he entrusts it to you and increases it is his business. you get what I'm saying here? I'm not talking about direction of spending. I'm saying it's his business that he creates collateral blessing. That's his problem to deal with. Our part in this is to understand that we must worship him with our possessions. We only have two things in this life, time and money. And money is simply a measure of time that we've spent and we've accumulated it up and turned it into something we can trade for somebody else's time that they spent to produce something. Are you with me? You see that? Money is just your time. You could say, many of us will say like, well, I don't give the Lord my money, but I give him my time. Well, you're withholding the time that you spent to get to trade for this money, so you're not giving him that time might be giving him this time but how come he can't touch this time time is money and money is time there is no difference and he says worship me with the first fruits of all things that's why early in the morning we direct our prayer that's why we gather on the first day of the of the of the week which is which is sunday now that he's risen again so we gather on sunday to worship him it's our first fruits of the week and we give him the first fruits of our wealth in the way that he prescribed are you guys with me So the worship that he's worthy of is there to protect our own hearts that we would grow cold in our worship of him. And beloved saints, let me tell you this. It is not optional. It is not optional to give God your first fruits. In fact, let me share share with you here in uh, Proverbs. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes, which means... Don't decide that you got it all figured out the way you want to do it. All right? Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. And so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as the father the son in whom he delights. You know what's interesting? Do you notice the storyline here in Proverbs is the exact storyline of Cain and Abel? Did you catch that? Did you, see how he, did you see how he did this? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. What did Cain decide to do? I'm gonna do it this way. I'm wise in my own eyes. I'll decide how I'm going to worship. Then it continues on. Honor the Lord with your possessions and the first fruits of all your increase. Then you will increase. This is what we saw with Abel. Cain didn't want to do it with his first fruits, And then he says this, don't despise the chastening of the Lord. What did God do with Cain when Cain decided he was going to do it his own way? He came to him and said, Cain, why are you downcast? If you just do it the right way, it'll go well with you. But sin is crouching at your door. He wasn't despising him, he was correcting him because he loved him. But Cain wasn't having it. Cain's like, When it comes to possessions, I do things my way because it's my stuff. And God said, Sin is crouching at your door and it wants to possess you. And Cain said, I'll do the possessing around here, and walked straight away into sin and was possessed. We're no different than Cain and Abel, saints, if indeed. We are trying to be wise in our own eyes and decide how we will do with our possessions outside of what God prescribes. Isn't this beautiful? Mm -hmm. Now here's what I'm trying to say. Here's why this is so important for us. If we are worshipers of God, then we must worship him with our possessions. We must bring him the first fruits. It preaches a message to the world of Christ who was the first fruits, but it also preaches a message to your own heart that you do actually worship God, that He is the one from whom all things come. That's why you give Him your first fruits. And I love I love the kingdom. I love the kingdom. Now the principle of the tithe we've seen all the way from Abraham up throughout the New Testament. The principle of the tithe is simply this: tithe means tenth. So in proportion to your ability to give, you give. In fact, the scriptures say in the New Testaments, "Don't give under compulsion, but only according to your ability. Give, for the Lord loves a cheerful giver." How much is ten percent of ten dollars? One dollar. That's what tithe means. It means tenth. How much is ten 10% percent of hundred dollars? Right. Yes. So, how much is ten percent? This is a hard one. Of three hundred dollars. You guys are doing good. How much is 10% of a million dollars? $100,000. Now here's what's so amazing about God. In the scriptures it says if you're faithful in little, you'll be faithful in much. But if you're unfaithful in little, you will be unfaithful in much. Isn't it extraordinary that God gave us the principle of the tithe that is a percentage, not a progressive amount? Isn't it amazing that God doesn't say, look here, people. I wanna make sure that those rich scumbags pay their fair share, so their tithe is gonna be 90%, but you people that I like over here, you're not like the bourgeois, no, 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 you're cool, you're the, you're the. I always forget, you're like the pro lariat, no, that's a Ford, that's just a lariat, anyway. Anyway, he doesn't do that, he doesn't do that, he says, according to your ability. But if you're faithful in little, the scripture says, you will be given much, that's the problem of the kingdom. Is that if we're faithful in litter, we're given much. And then we have to be faithful with much. I'm going to end with this thought. And I appreciate your patience. The, the day we had some ministry time, so my, my word got pushed back. But I don't, I don't know what to cut out. So I'm going to just keep going. <laughs> in the scriptures, it says this. That we'll give an answer to God for everything that we've done. All right? And he has said he wants us to be faithful stewards of everything that he's given us. Now, many of us are unfaithful in little right now. Hear this. You're unfaithful in little. You don't honor God with your first fruits. You do not worship God with the principle of the tithe. And you're not praying beyond the principle of the tithe of what kind of offerings he would have you give. It's his stuff. And you don't do that. You, just, you do it Cain style. And until now, you just didn't know or you've rationalized it, but now I'm giving you the scripture and saying, look, scripture does not teach that, okay? So the Holy Spirit's confronting some of our belief systems, some of our Cain-like tendencies. I'm bringing the scripture and saying, listen, don't be downcast. If you do rightly, it will go well with you. So make this adjustment. But here's the beauty of this. God in his faithfulness is withholding increasing you beyond where you are. And the reason why is because if he entrusts you with more right now, you will be held in judgment for doing poorly with more. And he loves you too much to increase you and put you in a position where he's then gonna have to judge you for being unfaithful with even more. So in his mercy, he's keeping you at this level. Why? Because he says, he says this. Remember when Jesus was talking about money And he said, If I can't trust you with little things like unrighteous mammon, how can I trust you with real treasure? And what's real treasure? People and cities. He wants to entrust us with people and cities but he can't even trust us with money right now. And he's saying I'm not gonna give you even more money right now because then you'll be under greater judgment because you're already faithless in this little bit that you have. And I'm asking you to invest that. Now I want you to hear my heart. I'm not talking about I want you to go give money so you can get rich. I'm actually a little bit worried about you getting rich because unless you're faithful in this, your heart will grow cold and you'll walk away from God. If you're not already a worshiper now, more money is not going to help you. Your heart will grow colder. You'll just have more stuff to be unfaithful with. And it will be a stumbling block. And I'm saying, may the Lord not bless you. So that he can save you, so that you can repent and worship him and that he can bless you. All right? But do you see his mercy here? Do you see that for many of us, he's actually withholding judgment And saying, whoa, 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 I'm not going to give you any more because I'm going to have to judge you for it if I do. And I don't want you to be under greater judgment than you already are. I'm not talking about hell, although it can lead to that. You can literally become so self-sufficient that you, you know, pull a Ted Turner and you're just like, I don't even need God. That's for weak people. Look at me, I've made myself. I don't, I, I pray that Ted will repent. I'm not even judging the man. I'm saying there are those that truthfully say, This is, I I I got this. There, there's that Cain desire in there. And God is saying in his mercy, no, I want you to be faithful in little for your own sake that you won't stop worshiping and being blessed and being a blessing and actually extending my kingdom. Are you guys hearing this? Now here's the problem. As you begin to worship him in your wealth, you will have a problem of success. You will. And I'm saying, God, would you have mercy on us that we would continue to be faithful as we do have this problem of success, that you increase our wealth. But we thank you, God, that you're not just increasing our wealth, you're increasing your wealth. Lord, that you would remind us it's your stuff that we would be found faithful to continue to extend your kingdom all the more with our influence. I'm not gonna take an offering after this message. That's not what this is about. The point is is that I am concerned for us as believers whether or not we're actually worshipers of God. And Jesus says, where your treasure is, your heart is also. So this is a hard word for some of us because many of us are very unfaithful in this place. And we're we're more like Cain than we are like Abel. So this is your opportunity to repent, to turn to the Lord and say, Lord, I didn't realize how big of a deal this was that I worship you in this way. I did not realize that sin was crouching at my door and wanting to possess me. I didn't realize that I'm not actually worshiping you in this way. I'm just giving you some of my fruits. And so this is a beautiful time to be able to turn and to repent and say, Lord, I want to worship you in this way. I will give you my first fruits. I will give it to you first. I will give you the tenth, the principle of the tithe. I will consecrate that to you and bring it into the storehouse. Not because the church is having a rough time. We're not. We're doing great. But because I worship you And then I will pray and say, Lord, where are the kingdom things you want me to invest in above and beyond as you entrust more? And then I pray for us, Lord, have mercy on us as we do increase, that we don't then be found faithless because of the problems of success that happen when we worship you in the way that you prescribe. Amen? Amen, I love you guys. The prayer servant team is coming up if you need prayer, encouragement. If you wanna meet Jesus for the first time and want an introduction, they would love to pray with you about that. God bless you guys. Have a great week. Let's worship him together, yes?